Welcome to A Few Deep, a hangout podcast where a guest and I drink multiple styles of beer and talk about this, that, and the other thing. I'm your host, Joe Varga. So come on, let's get a drink. Hey, hey, what's happening, people? Happy Saturday, my friends. What's going on? This is, uh... It's, it's going to come up to be the stressful last two weeks. Got 12 days before the wedding. And I got everybody flying out and hanging out. So we got the bachelor party and then we got the wedding. And this week is like the, not even the calm before the storm. This is the, uh, we got to get lots of shit done. You know, dumb shit like laundry and cleaning and fucking, you know, fucking stuff, you know, you know what I mean, it's that kind of day, it's that kind of week, today being the last sort of maybe relaxing day, Eh, I wouldn't say totally, but there'll be a few moments of relaxation, but not really, Uh, but yeah, today we're just hanging out, Uh, we got a friend's little party to go to later on, and then... Yeah, should be a good Saturday. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope the weather is good where you guys are, swimming and whatnot. Welcome to the fucking summer. It is almost July. Yeah, Monday, right? Yeah, Monday's Almost July 4th. Almost the uh, motherfucking 4th of July. Is everybody out there celebrating America? I don't know. Uh, you know, we're kind of celebrating America. We're like, yeah, we like America, but, you know. President needs to fuck off. You don't represent us very well. Anyway, and that bullshit. Um, not much going on besides what I've been doing. Um, which now is just basically been preparing for the wedding. So doing all that kind of shit. Um, this second round is with Gabe and Melissa. Um, we talked more about some sci-fi and uh, some random questions same kind of topics kind of come up as like last week but more in depth and more uh more discussing the matter but more stories and more drinking and it got fun so not that the other one wasn't fun but they're both fun the second round always tends to be fun like i said it's got you know you got a little bit more in you and then uh i think even when we went to the bar i was like i was after that i was like i was fucking toast toast bro toast but it was fun. So, uh, so yeah, so I don't have to ramble on today. Can, uh, deal with any authentic bullshit. Um, besides that, I want to say, did you listen to any albums? Um, listen to the new Black Keys. I thought it was pretty good. I, a little late onto this one, but there's <clears throat> an album from this band called Clowns on Fat Record. Fat Records is, uh, in the, I can't remember. I, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but it was all right. It wasn't your typical Fat Records kind of band. They're kind of signing like, it's like, I guess the new, it's not a new trend, but for punk, it's just kind of like this indie hardcore. So it's like, it's not super fast anymore. It's not super hard. It's just kind of like a mix between, you know, it's got a little bit of whiny, a little bit of screaming like the guitars and the drums are good but the drums aren't always fast and it's like eh, it's 
and not that they should be or shouldn't be on fad records now like you have there's like a thing you have to do but it's like sometimes you know throw a fucking song in there where it's just amped up and i don't know it just it's good but it doesn't it didn't do it for me i should say but anyway check it out clowns i forget the album i don't know i don't fucking know what's called the band's called clowns it's on fat records if you like punk rock check it out it's kind of cool anyway here's round two with melissa and gabe I call this my Axel Foley because it kind of it doesn't have the same. It just has that same kind of feel, like yeah. a detective. If you picture it in my like it's just a detective walking around in the '80s. It also reminds me, Melissa, of your War of the Worlds, your bizarrely awful, strange War of the Worlds thing. It is amazing, and and you will accept and understand that it is amazing. So there was this '70s. '70s. Very quickly. All right, well, well we're back. We're back with Gabe Wolfenstein and Melissa Stevenson. I'm here. We're back. We're telling, we're just talking bullshit. Now we're fucking having fun. So welcome back to the podcast and I'll grab beers, but tell what you're going to say. I was going to tell cat story. Well, first yeah. tell the war of the world things, then tell the cat story or the, the quick thing. Cause it was in the lead in. So folks got to get a little bit of the, like, of what the, the hell was it talking about? And then you tell the cat story. <laughs> we'll All just right. get us beers and ciders. So what Gabriel's referring to here is something I've been subjecting him to for a little bit is sometime back in the 70s, Jeff Wayne made a rock opera version of War of the Worlds. Okay. And I am... Who's Jeff Wayne? I believe Jeff Wayne is one of the dudes from ELO. I believe that is correct. Um, though he also had some people from Moody Blues in on it, a bunch of different folks that were involved in this War of the Worlds. And for someone who studies science fiction, I think it was Baby's First SF. <laughs> because I was listening to this as a small child. I brought it to school, a particular song of it to school as for show and tell in second grade. Was it a song of ice and fire? No, it was a song that I thought was about a super-powered little girl fighting robot aliens. But it's actually about a um, battleship fighting robot aliens. <laughs> so close. So close. <laughs> the, the ship was called Thunderchild. It seemed the same thing. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but awesome. yes, there is a electric, electronic music rock opera version of War of the Worlds. And last year they came out with an audio book version that doesn't seem to have the songs but it has the music okay and i've been subjecting gabriel to that because it is deeply part of my dna yeah and now i sure. must suffer all right you gotta i'm make, loving yeah, it you, you gotta it's make great. other people but part of it yeah before you tell your cat story all right you want to do the yeah, wanna yeah introduce so, the beer that we're drinking yeah. and uh well well real quick first is drinking a because we're doing the cider wildcraft cider works gin Bicentennial? Blackberry? Is that what it says? Is that, is that what it says? Bicentennial? Uh, it says Gin Botanical Blackberry. Botanical, not Bicentennial. Wildcraft Ciderworks. Joe and I are drinking foreign objects called Death Posture. And it's got this whole little narrative that right. I'm going to read because yeah, yeah. narratives are awesome. Assume the death posture and glean beyond this subjective experience of reality. Attain the... Coyote's Gnosis. 
the void self-perception. This foreign object's new American hoppy ale will inspire you. Galaxy, Motueka, and Calypso hops combine to create aromas of intense citrus and tree meringue, ripe traditional fruit ambrosia, and a frighteningly sincere understanding that the only way out of subjectivity is through the void. Drink deeply as sensory overload and mystical wisdom are sure to follow. Look at your light shine through that. Like, shine your light on that and your beer. There we go. You can see the the fucking hop uh, particles in the whole fucking beer. The void. You're seeing the, the void. void You're Joe. seeing the void. This is the galaxy of star- of dark stars. Of uh, yeah. To the Cheers, void, man. Melissa. To the void. To the void. To the void. The void. Don't annoy the void. Don't. Oh, that's painful, Gabriel. <laughs> that game show died, and and none too soon. Game show? It was oh. a pizza commercial. I am. The Noid. The Noid. Yes, but I'm I'm conflating it. Dominoes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm conflating it with the creatures from Press Your Luck. Uh, oh yeah, yes. no, I hear where that came from. That's that. Speaking of last episode, we're doing the remakes. Like I think people are doing remaking basically Press Your Luck. Uh, or it's still on. Or they're still doing some shit. I hope it's the for- latter, not the former. All right, yeah. Melissa, All your right. cat story. Cat Tell stories. us your cat story. Cat story. All right, yeah. so we've been accompanied through most of this by a nice kitty named Gordo. Gordo, Gorgeous George, Gordy Little Two-Shoes. There's a bunch of names. He's got a lot. And it reminded me of another cat of a similar name. So this was a cat named Gorda. McCavity. Gorda. Gorda. Not McCavity? Not McCavity. No, McCavity. true. There was no one like McCavity. So, this was a cat named Gorda, and back in graduate school, I volunteered at the cat shelter in Santa Barbara, and we had this cat that came in that was given the name by some volunteer, not by me, Gorda. Now, Gorda was aptly named. She was a little rotund cat with three legs and a bad attitude, (laughs) and so... At the shelter, we thought she was going to be one of those cats who just stayed at the shelter. It was no-kill shelter, and some cats were just residents. Yeah. And you know, we could get her out of the, the cage. We could take her to play. She did not seem to like people. She had a little bit of that kennel crazy. And one day, this woman comes in, and she's looking at all the cats. And she says something that was pretty common. People would come in and be like, oh, my God, that cat has three legs. But this woman comes up to me, and she you know, taps me on the shoulder. I'm wearing my little volunteer smock and says... Melissa just tapped me on the leg, shoulder, leg, whatever. That cat has three legs. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> it she does. gets around just fine. You know, the injuries before she came to the shelter. You know, she's she's all right. And she, you don't understand. My dog has three legs. <laughs> this is a sign. God wants my dog and this cat to be together. And what did you think when she said that? Like, what's going on in your head knowing Gorda? What's going on in my head was pretty quickly what was coming out of my mouth. Well, she's not a very friendly cat. She's probably (laughs) uh, likely going to hide. We don't know how she is with with dogs. And the woman said, no, no, they belong together. They need to be together. And she passed a little background check and we're happy to send Gorda on her way. You know, we expected that she'd probably come up back to the shelter, as sometimes the cats did. 
And instead, about a month later, we got a card in the mail at the shelter with a picture of a three-legged dog curled around a three-legged cat and a note that explained that Gigi Mm. was hid under the bed for three days. Three seems to be a leitmotif here. Yeah. (laughs) And then decided that she was home and she was happy and was now a wonderful, friendly lap cat who loved everyone, especially her doggy older sister. Wow. Oh, that's that's pretty awesome. That's kind of all the feels right there. Yes, all the feels. It was like a lid for every pot because we thought that cat would never leave the shelter. Related, tell the story of the other Josie. Oh, the person at the shelter? Yes. All right. Hey, babe, did you want... Laura! Real quick. See if she wants the rest of the cider. Ooh. Do you want some of the cider? It's a delicious cider. It's a good one. Yep. Yeah. You finish that one. It's tasty. We all like it. Even it's, Joe it's, liked it. Dude, it was Huckleberry, and I don't like ciders, you know. Yeah, right? Joe be like Huckleberry. Yeah. I think they just really like to say the word Huckleberry. <laughs> Huckleberry <laughs> hound. Well, I like some boysenberries. Boysen. Yeah, that's Boys- a fun word. Boysenberries. Boysenberries. <laughs> that's fun to say. And then you think Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> but no, I, was, I thought it was good. It's pretty good. And Joe doesn't like ciders. I do not. It's not his thing. I'm a thang. Ciders are not his bag, baby. Enjoy. It's good. <laughs> Swedish Peter's pumps, however. <laughs> That's easy. It's, honestly, say. it's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> quickly, quickly. <laughs> One copy of a book entitled. <laughs> <laughs> Swedish Peter's pumps. Saying, this is my bag, bag baby. <laughs> quickly. Right. So what Gabriel's alluding to is, is my cat, uh, Josephine, was a tortoise shell. And she came from said shelter. And so I became kind of tortoiseshell partisan. Yeah, yeah. And one day this woman comes in. Who named Josephine and all her littermates? I did not. Someone. You didn't little women it all up? No. Oh. So whoever was there at the shelter got to name the cats. Right. Um, when the cats came in. And That's how so, it works in all shelters, right? Yes. Really? In most cases. Oh, did not know that. And so... It's kind of odd. I volunteered on Saturdays. Well, you know, we expect the names will be changed later. Right, right. I volunteered on Saturdays, and they told me there were kittens back in the kitten room. We had a secret kitten room. So the kittens that were not uh, ready for adoption yet. And back there were four tortoiseshell cats, and someone had named them after the March sisters. Joe, Beth, Megan, Amy. They had to specify which one was which. So, I specified. But yes, my cat, Joe, Josie, was a tortoise shell. And one day, a woman, and it wasn't always a woman, we had men come in the shelter, but these two people were women, came in looking for a cat. And she spotted a tortoise shell who looked very much like my cat. And came over and said, what is that? It's a tortoise shell. It's a, that is such an ugly cat. That is the ugliest cat I have ever seen. To your cat? No, no. my cat was, you know, at home. Okay, okay. Had cat. Already, had apparently had adopted her cat already. Yes. Oh, gotcha. And the woman is just <clears throat> going on about how ugly this cat is. I'm like, well, some right. people like tortoise. All those colors all mashed together. She's, it's such an ugly cat. And then she goes and she looks at all the other cats. And she comes back to the cat that she has declared is the ugliest cat in the world. And said... I have to take her. She is so ugly, no one else would ever love her. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and 
and again, it was one of those moments as, as someone volunteering at a shelter, like, well, cat will have a home. Cat might have a complex. <laughs> it's probably going to be angry. But well, cat will I mean, have a home. But it did strike me that her kind person's of... always going to keep saying, you know, I only saved you because you were ugly. You're always going to be ugly. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know. Please, you know. <laughs> you know you should always be grateful. You're free. Nobody would have taken you. Right, right. Now, it's, she struck me as the kind of person who, like, if I checked back in two months later, would be telling us how tortoiseshells were the only cats in the world. That and, she, like, is going to ever fucking have. Yes, or, and that, and that this, all yeah. other cats were just how special. the worst. Yeah, no, I for sure. I would out this foreign object spirit pretty good. Yeah, it's from, uh, it's on the East Coast, I think. It's, um, yeah. you read the whole thing, but it's, um... Uh, oh shit! It's eight point one. Fuck, dude. Where are we? We're getting, See you guys later. We're getting fucking tanked, bro. Oh yeah, it's Connecticut. Oh no, wait. Yeah, yeah, Connecticut, Stanford, Stratford, Stratford, Sorry. Stanford, Stratford, Connecticut. Yeah. And now Melissa will taste the beer because Melissa does not, in fact, like beer. Well, yeah, so I figured. However, get some ciders. Melissa wasn't a uh, beer person either. So. Will want to taste all the things. It's, it's not good. terrible. It still tastes like beer. No, I mean this, but. Much to the this chagrin one of is, my father. Yes. This one is I heavy. Not, have a taste not heavy, beer. but this one is uh, ABV wise heavy. Like, yeah. if you drank two of these, three of these, you're going to be fucked up. Mm. It's 8.1. It's this big. But it does not taste like 8.1. No. What's it's the name of it? Foreign Objects. Way. What? Foreign Objects. Uh, that's a foreign. Death Posture. <laughs> that makes perfect fucking sense. <laughs> All right. I'm also going to now taste Melissa. Melissa, how's your gin botanical blackberry thing? It's pretty good. Not bad. What was the other poison or the not poison? Fucking, I got poison. Poison's a fun word to say. Uh, no, the the huckleberry, huckleberry. Uh, hound uh, was that tastier. You know I think the huckleberry was actually better. I can't and it's not just because I like saying I'll be a huckleberry. I like saying all of it. I mean, I w- I will never when the word when somebody says the word huckleberry, I will never not think of Val Kilmer saying in Tombstone. I'll be your huckleberry. I'm here, Uncle Bear. Yeah. So you never think of the behind the the Simpsons episode, which ends with Huckleberry Hound oh. saying, "I was so gay, but the censors <laughs> wouldn't." <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful deep cut. Huckleberry Hound was so gay. Oh, no my, darling. oh, oh my, my darling. Oh my darling. Clementine. So that's there's another thing. That's another thing forgotten. Hanna Barbera. Mm. I don't know. You can't, I love, you can't fucking remake Hanna Barbera. I no. I loved Hanna Barbera more than. Did you love? Were you a person who always watched the Hanna Barbera um, World Marathon thing? The yeah, world, what's it yeah, called? The, whatever the, the race thing. The that race. They did. Oh, yeah, with, where uh, they mashed up which, all their, which peeps. is with M- Mugly, dog, Mutley, Mutley. Muttley and Dirk Dastardly or Dick Dastardly, Dick whatever Dastardly, it was. Uh-huh. And there was always and, uh, mm. and then Speed Buggy. Speed Buggy, yep. Um, and you had your Scooby-Doo's. Yep. And whoever the fuck else was in the Hanna-Barbera there was world. some, uh, I don't remember. Grape Ape? Grape, Grape Ape? Grape yeah. Ape was definitely in there. Boom. And uh, who is Grape Ape's little buddy? The little dog. Grape Ape, there was the little dog. I can't remember what the little dog. What was the Laughing Puma? And the laughing puma. God damn it. Uh, oh. That, that was Muttley, wasn't it? No, well, Muttley was... But there was also a puma. That's definitely Muttley. Yeah. Um, fucking hey. 
Um, I don't remember the uh, Yogi Bear. Was Yogi, Yogi was Yogi and Boo Boo were definitely. I don't think the, the Ranger's gonna like this Yogi. This guy's more <laughs> punk than me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Boo Boo, <laughs> Boo Boo, Boo Boo, Boo Boo had punk issues. Beginning Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss. Yes. Yes. Stage, Stage left. <laughs> we're uh, heavens to Murgatroyd, even. <laughs> heavens to Murgatroyd show. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Yes. Heavens to Murgatroyd, even. <laughs> that's like, that's some of the best shit ever. All right. I got a deep question for everybody. Uh-huh. What is the first science fiction thing that you read or watched or et cetera that you remember? I told you. I, I want to do the same question, but favorites. Okay. So, so let's we'll do, start with first. Let's do first and favorites. Favorites. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, damn. I think first for me was probably. Uh, fuck. Um, damn. I would say maybe. E.T. or Mac and Me. Mac and Me. Damn. Have you ever seen Mac and Me? Yeah, that's a weird deep cut. That movie. I have it on DVD. That's <laughs> <laughs> how much I fucking love dumb shit like that. I think but my first ET ET I think was the okay. first one I saw. I think although I'm pretty sure that it's gonna be Star Trek. Because in my household, we did not watch television during dinner. Did you guys did you guys have Star Trek? Did you guys Star have Star Trek was acceptable. Did you guys have one TV, yep. and it was that's it, and then your dad monitored that shit like a hawk? Pretty much. Yeah, it was like, like don't turn on the TV. It's gonna blow a fuse, motherfucker. Or there was time when I, when we were allowed to watch TV and when we were not. Yeah. And dinner was like, no TV time, except Star Trek. Star Trek, the original Star Trek, was acceptable. It's also and we so- could watch that during dinner. In reruns. In yeah. reruns. Also something we've lost personal time mm. like time and space and re- like th- turn the tvs off the phones off we're eating dinner now it's true going back to the going previous episode the previous, yeah of what yeah. we've lost you know some of the i, th- I think that's a great topic of, the, of like things we've yeah. just lost uh but yes the uh i feel the same like with with tv uh, but you so you you were like basically certain times of the day home from school yeah. maybe right like, my parents discovered Saturday morning, like, Gabriel gets up freaky early. Gabriel now, super <laughs> different from child Gabriel. Like, child Gabriel got up at 6.30 in the morning to the annoyance of everybody. Um, his friends, his parents, etc. They discovered, oh shit, Gabriel, you know, good, you go watch television Saturday morning. Awesome. Right? But during dinner... Dinner was family time. We interacted. TV's off. However, when Star Trek was available in reruns, everybody loved Star Trek. We could watch Star Trek. Star Trek was acceptable. was the only thing acceptable to watch during dinner. If Star Trek was, like, not in reruns, then there was no TV. Interesting. So I think that was the first science fiction that I had. Um... Unless you make an argument for the Phantom Tollbooth. No, I think Star Trek. Star Trek. It's not really science fiction. No, Star Trek is better. Is, yeah. is what? Yeah. All and, right. I, and I think it's probably earlier. 
for science fiction. I think I told you. I know, but that was last episode. Ah. All right, so I think my first science fiction, I only realized this a couple weeks ago. My first science fiction was probably Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds. So you saw, before you saw War of the Worlds. Before I saw War of the Worlds. You saw the musical first. No, not the musical. So it wasn't made as like a performance musical. It was just a rock opera that they recorded as kind of an experimental album. Okay. And did they use text from the sh- from, from the, the book? book? Yeah. And it was released as a double album, which my dad had purchased sometime. I, I guess looking at it, it, looks like 1978. Wait. So this is, does this classify as hearing science fiction before you've actually seen it? Yes, mm. definitely. Yeah. All right. Which is cut, but still your introduction to it. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I guess better point. Yeah. Even before that introduction. Did you read anything that was... No, I think I was, I was you know... So you heard I, it first. Because I I remember bringing it as a... Uh, to show and tell in second grade. Yeah. I think it predates reading for me. All right. Second grade Melissa. Yeah, yeah. second grade Melissa brought a couple of things to show and tell she shouldn't have brought. <laughs> Ooh, do tell. <laughs> what else did second grade the, Melissa The rabbit bring? wasn't invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> bunny rabbit? <laughs> this <Yeah>. bunny. <laughs> what else did... Bracket. I don't what know else did Miss bring to second grade show and it tell? It might not have been second grade show and tell. It could have been a little earlier or a little later. Oh my god. First grade show and tell. Melissa, what did you bring to first grade show and tell? So one of my aunts, for my birth birthday, gave me a copy of Where Did I Come From? <laughs> I remember where I came from. Do you? This is the 1970s guide to... So, what is sex and how did it make you? With pleasantly dumpy, middle-aged looking people. They were super middle-aged looking. And some really uncomfortable lines like... If sex is so wonderful, why don't people do it all the time? And then it (laughs) goes on to say... Well, it moves on to say, it's a bit like jumping rope. (laughs) How is it a bit like jumping rope? I think they were implying you got tired out. (laughs) (laughs) Though, honestly, I think the worst image (laughs) in the whole thing is not the little sperm with the bow tie. That's a bow tie and a rose. Which only many, many years later did I start thinking about thorns. But... Every rose has its thorns, Melissa. We just got the poison real fast. <laughs> We're not to the 80s just yet. Okay. But All one right, of sorry. The, I was jumping ahead. One of the uh, lines in there, which is explaining how the things happen, says, then something wonderful happens. It's kind of like a sneeze, <laughs> but much, much better. I feel they're undervaluing a sneeze. Sneeze is super satisfying. Uh, well, it also could be very hurtful, too. And that's how Billy Crystal, uh, hurt lots That is of, amazing. Uh, cute, you know what? I sit here correcting. Yeah. But so, depending on what age you are, mm. name that sneeze. At some point early in <laughs> elementary school, so at some point early in the 80s, I brought my Where Did I Come From book to school for show and tell. Because a number of my peers, 
my little classmates, uh-huh. were telling stories about what their parents had told them about where they came from. Oh my uh, god, Melissa, people were wrong on the internet, even then. People were wrong they even ready on the, for the playground. <laughs> They're not ready for the internet then. <laughs> they told, like, they were telling me stories about, literally about the stork or all kinds of stuff. And of course, being an obnoxious know-it-all little kid, I was like, no! That didn't it's happen. It's not that, and I've got a book to prove it. <laughs> Cheers, Melissa. I got my book taken away from me for a while. <laughs> from the teacher? No. I, I think, I can't remember exactly what happened there, but I think the teacher stopped me early in the thing, and there was a conversation with my parents. And my parents explained Sorry, that... what grade are we in again? Second? This is first or second. First, first or second. And Melissa, my parents explained... Melissa's teaching sex ed in first or second grade. And my it. parents explained that, that my classmates might not be ready to hear these stories... <laughs> And that um, I could have my book back when they were a little older. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, always can I, honest. Can I just have my book back and I almost won't bring it back <laughs> to the class? It's fine. I, I was also the little girl who got in trouble with the, uh, the the teachers at school. Or rather, I guess the kind of playground recess monitors. Because I both... Wait, you weren't the recess monitor? Shush. You weren't Lisa Simpson? No, no, no. Re- the recess monitors were actual adults. Oh. But I was both I very, sold chocolate milk. Kind of very girly and very tomboy-y. Which is to say I like to climb trees and hang upside down and do all of those things, but still wearing my dress. <laughs> Showing the goods right away. Making it happen. And... Being boys like, oh my god, this girl doesn't have a penis. <laughs> what I the had, fuck <laughs> I had panties on which I wouldn't have called panties underwear I had underwear on and I hung upside I, you down you don't like that word no so you don't like panties or moist is that is, is nobody likes moist except moist cake. I love moist what about cake moist, cake, moist is cake is awesome is good. moist cake also moist that's true in the right situation you want a moist cake well, that's, and also if you are the super villain moist then you are super supportive. Or if you're no, he's uh, not. He's if, very sad about being moist. If you're moist. a Nirvana song, you're a moist vagina. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we went right, we went right there. Yeah, yeah. Tackled. Bam. But anyway, okay. So anyway, as but yeah, my friend Wanda so, yes. will say, "Bam, vagina." That needs context. <laughs> but oh, yeah, um, no. So you're so you're tomboyish, girly. Yeah. At the same time. I mean, not, I liked the I yeah. liked the dresses, but I also liked the activity. Right, right. And so I I was told that I couldn't hang upside As down. You still are. Yes, I couldn't hang upside down in my dress, and I argued because again, <laughs> me, and I said, well, I don't understand why because they're not seeing anything more than they would see if I was wearing a bathing suit. That is such a thing, Melissa would say. And so they called my parents. <laughs> That's a good argument. Yeah. Though. I feel like you were a troublemaker from the start. Not even a troublemaker. It's true. But you're a, is... we'll call it a boundary pusher. <laughs> because that needs to happen. Uh, people, uh, Kids that evolve faster than other kids. And you're one of those who's excelled, <sighs> I would say. I, I tended to be a rule follower, but I needed everyone to explain to me why. Yes. And that's how your mother got yes. a speeding ticket, right? Yes. Because What's... Melissa, not good at lying. Not good at lying. It's we were good... pulled no, over yeah. when my mom was speeding at one point, and the cop asked the classic question, which is, where are you going in such a hurry? 
And before my mom could come up with a plausible story, uh, and she like, probably would have come up with a plausible story, yeah. I said, In the backseat. We're going to my swimming lesson, and we're late! <laughs> so. Which is actually a plausible reason. That's the truth. And the truth uh, will, apparently, will <laughs> apparently cost you $75. The truth is now on bumper stickers. Uh, the reason I'm speeding is the shit. That's, that's the reason. <laughs> I gotta shit my pants right now because that's the reason I'm going fast, mm. and that's a lot of <laughs> a lot of people. And on that note, we are flying into the second beer mystery. quickly. It's a delicious beer from Hermitage. Hermitage, which is actually a third party system or uh, a brewing system of the Palo Alto Brewing Company. So mm. they they help out with a lot of brewing companies, and they sort of. Uh, Brew for the third party. And this is called Fly Into the Mystery, which is the theme of which, our podcast tonight. Which I thought Melissa would like because it's very, very, very... Uh, it's super SF. Yeah. And it's pretty fucking cool. I mean, it. look at the look at the blue eyes. It, it's fun. It's a really fun... It is Jesser. an awesome label. It's a killer fucking oh label. Oh my God, did you just doing the fuck out of this beer? I did not mean to, but I did. Yeah, this is a, a killer fucking. That, this cover. label is awesome. Hermitage. I mean, and the beer itself. It's also it's, a little the beer is also it's, really it's good. not so uh, hazy, and people are trying to do it. And, and uh, sometimes Hermitage, they're not doing. It's, it's, it's different. I get hazy. I get blah blah. But it's a good beer. The flavor is very well. It's crisp. Right. Um, your canning though is amazing. Your artwork fucking kills on this. Is stunningly beautiful. This beer is lovely. I do have issues with the hazy because I feel that hazy. Well, the hazies are taking over, and a lot of them are just fucking dumb. I agree, and I feel like they felt like ooh hazy. Ooh, people will pay some more money for that. Exactly. It's all about the Benjamins, bro. Save the amount that we had to spend on the moss to get rid of the hazy. Yeah. It's all about the money. Moss isn't expensive either. No. It does not need to be hazy. You're not adding. Like, and, in fact, I, you're, adding, you're adding pounds to people's fucking guts. Uh, guts to and, my gut. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. And yeah. We, 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 the less calories are better. Don't add more calories to my fucking diet. Exactly. Try I get to. lots of calories everywhere else. And I know my beer has lots of calories. It does. Any and beer. I'm not like really watching the calories. But I don't need the extra ones. I don't need the extra ones that I'm not like. It's like when you put sugar in bacon. Like, yes. Stop putting sugar and fucking bacon, you asshole. Because bacon is awesome as it is. It is. You don't need sugar. No. No, 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 no. no. I agree. But if you look up anything that has sugar in it, anything, put in, stop putting sugar in shit. If you want to put sugar in shit, put it in your own time. I'll put sugar in something if I want to put it in. If I want to sweeten something up, That's right. I'll do it with some honey. You know, I'll do it with uh, whatever, some mama milk. I'll do like some random shit. I'll sweeten some stuff up how I choose to sweeten it up. Not through you adding sugar and being like, okay, there's already sugar in here. So I guess I'm and not going to add sugar. It's got sugar in the first place. It doesn't need more sugar. Exactly. That makes me think of the Miracle Berries again. Miracle Berries? Miracle Berries. Remember Berries? Remember? Remember Miracle Berries? Remember? Remember Chewbacca? You remember? I remember. <laughs> I remember. Melissa, tell us about Miracle Berries. Yeah. So, Miracle Berries, you can buy them in little packages. 
And what they are is, is a strange little extract of a berry that when you chew it up, it coats your tongue and makes sour things taste sweet. Oh, interesting. So, and so like you could take a bite out of a lemon and it tastes like lemonade. Interesting. It's a lot of fun. But apparently there was a podcast. There was a different podcast. There was a podcast from America's Test Kitchen on it. Okay. And apparently when they were first working on it, they were trying to use it as a sugar substitute. Gotcha. And through all kinds of interesting machinations, it wasn't approved. But it is kind of fun to get those things and try stuff with it. Like what happens to things without adding sugar, but you'll taste them as if they are very sweet. Right. It's a lot of fun. That is fun. That's cool. Um, it's kind of like those, like, with the jelly beans, with the different flavors of the jelly beans. Mm-hmm. It's very like, oh, this one tastes like popcorn. Like, how do they get the flavor in the popcorn into this jelly bean? So amazing. That's kind of like, yeah, it's it's so, or like a, like a sour, like, mm-hmm. a, like a warhead or something, right? Like, so it's something's like super sour and then turns to sweet. It's interesting with the candy that they put off or like, I don't know. It's not just have to be candy. It could be anything, really. It could be anything, yeah. I mean, beer beer has that, and cider, anything like has that like that like first upfront flavor, and then that back end flavor where mm-hmm. it's like uh, where one thing tastes sweet and then goes to sour, or tastes sour and then goes to sweet, or you know mixes around. Yeah, it makes sense. That's cool. It's a lot of fun when you get to play around with flavors and tastes. Yeah. What was that? What was it called again? What was it? Miracle berries Miracle is berries. how they're sold. You Just can buy them online. Yeah, yeah. You can get little tablets and chew them up and then try things. Interesting. Hmm. It's I, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got to decide like what things you'll try. No, exactly. Um, the classic is, is citrus. Yes. Because those are the ones that, that are really changed by it. All right. Um, so since we've been... We've been lacking on the sci-fi here. Let's get into mm-hmm. sci-fi. We've we've done firsts. Let's do favorites. Since we're on that realm, let's do uh, let's do favorite sci-fi's, and why? Uh, uh, any like categories, movies, books, TV shows. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be specific. Oh, well, it, obviously, well, <laughs> yeah, it has to be yeah. sp- specific, but it doesn't have to. Uh, Limit books, movies, um, podcasts, uh, doesn't matter. Whatever. Whatever it may be, a story uh, you heard. It doesn't... It, right. can, it could be... All right, all right. It, yeah. It's limitless to what your favorite and why it's your favorite sci-fi story. Because, I don't know, that's kind of like who we are, right? Like, and Melissa Sporton... It almost looks like Tron that you have on. What's the shirt, what shirt do you have on? It's a very silly shirt. It's a little I lo- bit... I love the colors because the colors are prop. It's a little bit Tron prop. and it's a little bit Transformers. It is. Oh, it is Optimus Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to see with the ripple and then it goes to the, to the light source. Yeah. But it... I. And the thing I love about those colors is it's very Tron-like because mm-hmm. colors of like neon uh, blue and uh, purples and... and uh, these like vibrant, really vibrant. Like, yes. uh, did you guys see um, Atomic Blonde? Yes, I didn't. I I I have it on my my I have it on my oh, DVR. Dude. Yeah, like, really good. I love those fucking colors. Yeah, I mean every single scene where like the colors just popped. I was like, whoa, these. Are, it's kind of like Blade Runner. 
You saw Blade Runner, right? Which one? Both. Either Melissa one? loves all the Blade Runner, but loves the original Blade Runner the most. The original Blade Runner, but in that, so the original Blade ooh, Runner. Ooh, quick side question. Colors. Which is the best cut? Your favorite. <laughs> Director not, 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 or best, theatrical? Not, not, not best. Your favorite cut, which does not have to be best, doesn't have to be etc. Your personal favorite, like, which is the one you love the best? There's like five. There's like five cuts, so I'm asking which is your favorite. All not right. which you think is the smartest, or not which you think but, is the but best. But I'm thinking about revising my opinion. So, definitely not the theatrical cut. Why? Usually because Short. the... One sentence. One sentence. One sentence. It doesn't have to be one sentence. It could be what. It could be. I hate both the voiceovers and the ending. (laughs) Perfect. Done. Good. Happy. Yep. So not that one. I usually go with what I think is like the 1992 final cut before the director's cut, but I understand that the one that came out after that seems to be. The final cut, not the director's cut, but cleaned up a little bit. That's what I've discovered in the last few months. So I'm thinking of switching to that because maybe that <laughs> it's the same text, but a little sharper. But I haven't experimented with it yet. All right. Short two sentence answer. Why Why is that cut better than the original theatrical? Like, what? what how did the original theatrical fail? That this that that one is better. All right. So the original theatrical cut um, was, in many ways, forced on all of them. They did the voiceover after everything was already out, and they felt that it was too. Gesundheit. <laughs> Sneezing on on Mike. So they felt that it was too obtuse. And obscure and unclear and subtle There's for viewers. Shawshank Redemption word of you. I'm <laughs> and so... Love that I, movie. Or am I being up to, too obtuse? <laughs> and so they added the voiceover to guide the viewer along. And I honestly don't think the viewer needs to get that much guidance. Mm. And uh, Harrison's kind of lackluster delivery... Reportedly, because he was angry about it and drunk at the time, whether or not that's true, I don't know. Does not I, add. I feel that's true. Does not be. add to the uh, the use of the voiceover. Not that I knock anybody being drunk at the time. Then the ending. Come as you are. Now this is again. Quick. Going back to our conversation last week about Prometheus. So the different endings of. Blade Runner. Yep. If you do the original theatrical ending, they take out the ambiguity. What so ambiguity? I'm getting there. Alright. Folks, be ready for spoilers. Very, very, very old spoilers. Fuck spoilers, <laughs> man. Alright. I don't care if it's that new. <laughs> if I you mean, didn't I, watch it, I, doesn't matter. I, I feel you can't complain about a 30-year-old spoiler. Also, fun fact. 2019. That is the year uh, that Blade Runner is set. So 2019. Alright, so wow. in the theatrical cut. We got boned. <laughs> we did. Our character, our Blade Runner, Ford, 
Deckard's character decides, this is Deckard, that he will run away with Rachel, who he knows is a replicant. Yep. And he has made the choice, back to persons versus humans, that while she may not be human, she is a person, and, you know, he feels connected, drawn to, loves this person, and they run away together. Now, in the theatrical cut, they wanted to make sure audiences knew that this was going to end well. And so they added a voiceover that says, Tyrell told me that Rachel was special. No termination date. I didn't know how long we had, but then again, who does? Which is a line that Gaff gets in a different time. But it tells us that in Running Away with Rachel, Deckard is reasonably certain of at least some time with her. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that the ending, where he does not know, and as an audience, we don't know how much time they have and whether they will escape, but they still make the decision to try, and he makes the decision to throw in his lot with hers, is a much more impactful ending than one where he's going in being Uh, promised. Yep. Yeah. If I say to someone, you know, I can promise you 20 years, barring anything crazy. Yeah. That is very different than, yeah. I can tell you that I am committed and I'm in this now. Yeah. And we'll deal with what comes. Right. Yes. I don't know what I'm going to get. It could only be, etc. There's no promise of any time, but I love you so much that I'll even take these five minutes. Right. And so that's why I don't like the theatrical cut. Though I am amused that the uh, scene they used for the theatrical cut at the very end, where they're driving off into the, finally into nature, into the outside, you Uh see hills and and trees, are outtakes from the opening of The Shining. So I like to imagine (laughs) that Rachel and Deckard, at the end of the theatrical cut... Are headed to the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> I didn't know that either. That's oh my this god! That, that made the theatrical cut so much better. Yes. I did not know that, and that's amazing. Yeah. Cause here's Johnny. Johnny. More Johnny talk. <laughs> All right. So mine. But so. Mm. But we. So just to clarify, that's not your favorite sci-fi. No. It's among them. Okay, but not but, my favorite. Okay, we didn't because we didn't get into favorites. We're just kind of yeah. talking about your favorites shirt, is the and the colors and. I have know, a, I, I really have a um, simple answer to this. Okay, so Though there's there's a variety of other things, but like like my core sci-fi is original Star Trek, and there's something for me. What in like there. a certain episode or a certain? I'm going to say, you no, just it's, think like, the concept. it's like the ethos. Like, I could pick some episodes that <clears throat> I think are amazing. For sure. But you just, but, but, the, the, but the concept there, of uh, uh, space travelers or... Uh, uh, with uh, that uh, underlying... Even though I'm a cynical son of a bitch, uh-huh. and I actually don't think things are going to go well in the world, and I think, you know, humans are, at core, basically awful in groups. Individual humans are great, but, like, in groups... Groups, we don't do well. No, not so much. But there is this underlying optimism about original Star Trek that is still deeply embedded in the world as it's happening. And that's one of the things that I love about science fiction, that it tries to, you know, some of it 
tries to really deeply engage in the world that we live in. And Star Trek, the original Star Trek, really had commentary on our world. It's pushing boundaries. And it's incredibly. What I loved about it, it was exploration. It's exploring things that people, but at the same time, it's, 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 it comes together. We're exploring what we don't know and what they don't know. Yeah. So you're already connected. You find out when they find out, right? It's, we're exploring things in that realm and that's what they're doing. They're, they're planet explorers, space, like, you know, whatever. And that's what I thought was cool about Star Trek. It was just very like, you know, we're, we're explorers. We're doing this. We have a captain of a ship. You know, we're doing, yep. you know, regardless of all any of the bullshit, drama, you know, favorites, favoritism, the storyline itself, characters itself, doesn't matter. It's the, expo- the, you know, the exploration of that storyline. Yep. Of getting into that, you know, I'm diving into uh, conquering other planets, finding out what's on the, on the other planets, Bringing it back to home base, you know we're we're, you know we have a, we have a thing going. You know it's 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 a give and take. Yeah, you're learning, I'm learning, everybody's learning. We're having it. You know. <clears throat> now I'm going to cheat because there's another part All of Star Trek wasn't a favorite cheat. science fiction. But also, but I got a no, question yep, real, real no, fast. Yeah, yep, really quick for you. Yeah, I'll bracket and probably remember what I was going to say. Go, okay, no guarantees. That's okay. Did you like the movie versions at all? <laughs> I yes, especially the even ones. Okay, so <laughs> Rathacon, Voyage Home, Star Trek Six. Um, although I think you know what the first movie is actually underrated. Okay, but the answer is yeah. Broadly, I like the movies. I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of the of the movies that I was was the show. Con. Yeah. Con, man. Yeah. No. Um, but uh, Patrick Stewart's amazing. But right as we know, we. Any chance right for a Moby sh- Dick reference, too. And I always love me some Patrick Stewart. Even though I'm a Shatner. Like, I'm a Kirk. I'm a Kirk person. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's my captain. Um, but the other side of my science fiction is Douglas Adams and Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes. Because that other side is the cynical, funny. It's all fucked up. You think there's meaning? There's no meaning. You think everything that you but know what, is stuff. What I love it's about a it, bad calculation at the first place because some Golfriga Jans came in and messed up with your computer. But what I love about it is it's real. It's yeah, realism. Yeah, it's racism. It's it's everything. Yeah, of something that's different. Right. That's what the that's what the whole point is. The point is to identify with racism and difference. Right. This person's not like me. This is a very obvious way interpreted like this guy's big, square, nose is weird. Yeah. He's got a, a weird helmet. But that's kind of... Lord helmet. But the... Lord, Lord helmet. <laughs> but that's kind of how we look at racism, yeah. right? Or, or yeah. sexism, right? A, a difference where... And it really tackles that, right? I feel like... And that's what, like, the Hitchhiker... It does it like... It's like... It explores all these opinions and options, right? It, like, yeah. It, but d- doing it through space, it, rather than like you know, fucking, you know, whatever, whatever, like, you know, not realism. 
Yeah. You know? And there's, so there's like there's the Star Trek part, which is the world that I sort of wish existed, but I know doesn't, but I hope it will or would like it to be. And when I teach and work with folks and I'm like, I want this to happen. There's an optimism mm -hmm. in the Star Trek universe that is not actually in the Star Wars universe. Yes. Again, not that that's, it's not optimistic, but it's not its point. The Star Trek universe is, look at what we can be. We can be better. That is like the underlying thing in Star Trek. And then on the other side is Douglas well, Adams, which is like, dude, your world is fucked. And if you think you're the center of things, ha, that's so cute. Yeah. Aren't you cute? <clears throat> the right. dolphins were like, way smarter than you and they fucked off because they were smart and they saw the fact that your planet was going to be demolished for a hyperspace bypass and you guys are just sitting there you think you're smart that's so special <laughs> yeah aren't you guys cute not for that all right melissa do you have a favorite what's your favorite favorite is hard um Something that you always come back to. It doesn't Ooh. matter what it is. Yep. Your science because fiction thing that you always come back just to. Always I come back to back. a lot of science fiction things. Sure. I mean, I definitely come back, back is there, is to there Blade a, Runner. But is there a source? Is there a, a number one source? No. Hmm. Not I think book. my favorite science fiction to teach is the earliest science fiction of them all. Well, by some, by some measures. Which is my favorite to teach is Frankenstein. I was going to say Republic? Plato? But definitely Frankenstein. Okay, and the why, reason for why that... Is, why is Frankenstein the greatest? And why the greatest. is it sci-fi? Right. That's a really good question. It is science fiction because it comes out of the Gothic period. But it seeks to have... There's some weird stuff going on in the background. Oh, oh yeah. You'll, 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 you'll hear anyway, some of that. Anyway, yep. coming back. <laughs> All right. Coming Frankenstein. Back in. That wasn't an answer. Be my Frankenstein. So while Frankenstein comes out of the Gothic period, it seeks to offer rational explanations for everything that happens in the space. We are not dealing with gods or monsters, literally. We are not dealing with magic. We are not, despite the beginning... Uh, references dealing with alchemy. All of this is supposed to be scientifically explicable and explainable. There can be only one. And so the reason I love teaching sci um, science fiction generally, but the reason I love teaching Frankenstein science is one... fiction. Double feature. Everyone thinks they know Frankenstein. Uh, and they think they know Frankenstein because of the movies and the references. And I often start off with an image of your classic green monster and say, you know, this is not Frankenstein. This is also not Frankenstein's monster. Um, the character we have in the book is completely different. And one of the first places to start, especially when you're teaching this to college students is with Victor Frankenstein himself. Like you know, most people will talk about Dr. Frankenstein, right? Victor's a college student. He can't be any older than about 19 or 20 at the point he creates the creature. And so when I'm teaching this to undergrads, they are the same age as Victor. I think, yeah. And I always ask them to think about their dorms and think about the person who 
pulls the crazy all-nighters. Think about the person who's always talking about the big plan they have, the big idea that they have. You know, in this area, it's often the person who's got the idea for the startup. But in other places and in other times, it's the person who's got the philosophy that's going to change everything. Uh, Gabriel and I once had a friend who kept, who was a classicist and kept talking about how his reading of, what was the theorist? You gotta help me out because I know a lot of classicists. This is Phil. Phil kept saying, once he, he put out his work, no one would ever be able to read. Oh, I think it was Aristotle. Aristotle. The same again. Yep. And like, this would change the world. Now, yeah, most of the people wouldn't necessarily think that a new reading of Aristotle is going to change the world. But Phil was insistent and certain that Aristotle's this reading would change the world. So I asked the students, who is the person in your dorm who is the obsessive, yeah, focused on one thing, up all night, and yeah, that's your victor. And yeah. if you don't know who it is, it probably is you. <laughs> you are probably the person yes. in your dorm who is that person. And then starting from that point, looking at what happens in that narrative, and I know this is going to be, has been, a leitmotif throughout. I'm interested in, in science fiction. I'm always interested in how we connect and disconnect. How we rule people in, people and other creatures in as people, or rule them out. Yeah, what is us and what is other? What is you know, self and what is monster? And I think science fiction does a really good job of blurring those lines and making us question how do we define who we are, what we value, and what we do. So I love starting any science fiction with Frankenstein because that's where we start. Because the yeah. creature is <clears throat> not... If the creature were magical, if the creature were a god or a demon, then the same kind of work isn't necessary in the same way. Right. What do you mean? All right, so if... Sorry, Joe's with you and I'm slow. All right, let's say the creature, instead of being something we build ourselves, is just a demon you call up from the netherworld. Okay, right, like Goethe, whatever. Right. Yep. And so then it exists apart and aside from humanity. It may be an external, okay. again, an external yeah, deity's I've dry, punishment. I've, I've drawn my pentagram, made my circle, demon comes up. Yes. And so then the, yeah, if the demon eventually devours weird, you. Weird, weird science. Weird science? You're creating something. From my heart to my hand. But with the, How with can the demon. people understand my intention? If it's a demon, the, the kind of justice structure put in there is external. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. If it's something it. we got build it, or it, create, it. we are responsible yeah. for how we respond to it. So it's not as though, you know, Victor creates the creature and the creature is, you know, God's wrath upon Victor because we are working in a space that's different than that. Yeah. And so you have to think about what our responsibility is and how we respond to it. Um, and, into, what, and what we owe to our creations. And what we owe to our creations. As opposed to being the creation... That owes a certain kind of fealty and a certain kind of response. So starting with with the creature as a creature, as something we've made or something we've done, Mm. I think that brings up different ethical and intellectual questions. Yeah, there's a lot lot going on right there. I mean, (laughs) sorry about that. For for Frankenstein, just in general. But I like like everything about it. Mm. Um, It's interesting that it's, it's, but it's also, I mean, it's supernatural too. Yeah, right? 
It's not just sci-fi. I mean, it's... Not Frankenstein. Frankenstein, everything in it is supposed to be scientific. Nothing is supposed to be supernatural. I mean, in I the original novel. In the original. I get, I'm, yeah. Maybe I just I didn't read the original. or, But it seems like everything else that's been done with Frankenstein has been sort of tied into some supernatural because it's like... And I think that's right. It's like kind of like um, a lot of the Frankenstein stuff that like we know from movies and like what, is what, what, yeah how how like uh, somebody uh, popular would would it, uh, portray it as right and the portraying is like it's not how um, eloquently you have said it. Um, I think a lot of people just think that and they think. Oh, we're bringing somebody back from the dead, or or yeah. we were, or we're creating something that was. Uh, I mean, what's the most like the most recent Frankenstein thing that I've seen is about Frankenstein and gargoyles. I don't remember. And that. it was a stupid movie. Did you? It's very recent. It's Aaron. I can't even remember. Doesn't matter. But that was eight percent, right? No, oh, yeah, good. Melissa is pointing out the alcohol content of the beers Joe and I are drinking. Yes. But I want to come roll. But I want to come back to when I can hold on to it for a brief moment. Brief moment. And I'll point out Melissa drinking her cider too. So she's not like she's exempt. Why is it that we have fantasized Frankenstein. That's a good one. Right. So we have this thing that you have just told us is like, when we, like the original story is like science at the time, but or at least imagined as science. Imagined as science. Why have we over the past, since it was written, kind kind of dated, almost like 200 years, why have we these? Not almost two hundred years. Two hundred and one year. Fucking a. More just, than two hundred years. I was just called out, ladies and gentlemen. I was just called out for being a shitty historian. Now, nineteenth right century historian over there. Seriously, like this my this is like Swedish just, Peter pumps. This is supposed this is to be bag, totally baby. my bag, baby. <laughs> it's pre-Victorian, Why? so right. This is your bag. It is. Uh, <laughs> is pre-Victorian. Anyway, why have we de-scientized it in the sense of when she wrote it, there was it was, there was supposed to be a science component, like legitimate component, and we have turned it into a variety of things ranging from real science. There was this fascinating Kenneth Branagh thing that I vaguely remember. Oh, let's not talk about that. To, ouch, oh, for they, Kenneth Branagh. Well, no, no, no. It's 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 not that. It's that they called but, they called that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and they followed it to a point, and then they went off the rails, and they like completely went in a different direction. Also, there was a kit, like kit, the car, talking car, that was part of that. Fascinating. Anyway, why is <laughs> Frankenstein this like space where we can place anything? All right, I can talk about that. So what we've done with Frankenstein... You're going to talk about so many things. 
What we've done with Frankenstein is Keep going. we've made I'm it. Gonna... Okay. We've made it too easy. In fact, we've made a lot of things too easy. And usually when people talk about a Frankenstein story now, what they basically mean is a you know, mad scientist or a mad creator who has gone too far. Mm. And often the gone too far in <laughs> making air quotes, nobody can hear air quotes. Melissa, hear air I quotes. will testify Melissa has put up her fingers, one right, one left, two fingers, indicating air quotes. Put <laughs> my hands, put the fingers on them. So Melissa's hands have fingers. Not everybody's dope. Melissa's do. They do indeed. All right, so we've turned often this Frankensteinian story into a notion of the mad scientist or the mad inventor or the crazy, you know, you name it. Yep. Playing God. And... Ermagerd! Oh, wait, not that Gerd. And in yep. that kind of narrative, a character that plays God must be punished. So even if... Oh, yeah. That space, not that kind of punished. <laughs> even if that space is strictly presented scientifically, if we think about it as a space in which a character must be punished, mm -hmm. that becomes a pretty easy story. In the sense that... Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, one of the things that Frankenstein as a novel has is... It presents the possibility, not that the creature was evil from inception, evil from from waking up, but that his vices and his wickedness comes from being abandoned, not from being cared mm. about. And so then the question becomes, what do we, as you said earlier, what do we owe to the things that we create? Yeah. And what do we owe to the world when we create something. And so it's not as simple as, you know, you have played God, therefore you must be punished. It is that you have been careless or thoughtless in what you have brought into the world. Ah. And this is why you can have Frankenstein Frankensteinian stories that are completely unrelated to Frankenstein. I've been thinking about the next time I, I teach the book, teaching it with Ex Machina, what does that mean? Um, sorry, what does that mean? The movie. The movie Ex Machina. Oh, oh, sorry. I like the movie Ex Machina. I know you do. Joe, did you see Ex Machina? I did. Uh, you should see it. You would like it. No, I did. No, I saw it. Oh, you did see yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, what were you saying about te you're going to start teaching, teaching with it? Well, so I was thinking with, with uh, next time I teach Frankenstein, uh -huh. or rather the next time I'm teaching science fiction... I've been thinking about Science pairing. Science fiction. I've been thinking about pairing Double classic. Double <laughs> go ahead, feature. Go ahead, go ahead. We're not trying to get into it. <laughs> oh, forbidden planet. Yeah, men. <laughs> I've been thinking about pairing classic science fiction pieces with 21st century science fiction pieces, and uh, the place I was thinking about starting was with Frankenstein, and Ex Machina. Yeah, that's a good one, actually. I think that's probably brilliant to put to get the two together almost why not put them together obviously mm. yeah. with the technology and now with the with the way it works yeah um yeah i can't see not putting them together and now that i i agree you should do that it's a good it's a good go ahead sorry no, 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 no. Uh, my brain's fucking firing too fast my speech <laughs> it happens 
Joe's brain always Joe's brain always fires too fast. <laughs> it's why he's so lost. What what's your so the earlier question that you asked was, you know, like fundamental science fiction. What's your science fiction go to? Like somebody says science fiction. What do you think? Okay, so which is a well, well, different question than we've been talking about. Yeah, for sure. I'll take my favorite science fiction movie and uh, or story or whatever, if you will, and I'll go to A Fire in the Sky. Is my favorite. Why? I, not a skeptical question, by the way. So, A Fire in the Sky is my favorite because it's just so unexplainable. And it's so talked about. Yep. So always. And it's so like unbelievable that you have to believe it. It's so out there. It's so in the weirdest realm. It's I don't know. Let me me push you let me push you on that. What is Something that is so unbelievable that you have to believe it. Like, give us an example like, or explain that. Like lie detector tests. So, I mean, even back in the day of lie detector tests, like lie detector tests are not accurate, 100% accurate. Sure. It shows, whatever. But in each person's story of six or fi- five or six people told the same exact story. And still... No one believed them. So mm. when you got one person telling a story, right, you're like, mm, eh, maybe. Yeah. Two people telling a story, okay, I'm s- sort of believing you. Three people telling you a yeah. story. It's kind of interesting now, right? We're getting to it. Four people telling you a story. Okay, it's the same exact story. Yep. Five? Okay, now we're on. Yep. Tell me the story, five people. Like, what's going on? Let's fucking find it out. And still, it's still to this day, it's like that whole, it's not explainable. It's not. It's mm. just very broad. And it's very, and it's, you know, and people who don't know the Travis Walton story, like, look it up. Yeah. Read about it. Listen to podcasts about it. People bullshit about it. Whatever. Have you will. It's yep. still to this day one of the most fascinating science fiction stories of all time. Talked about, read about, movies about, abducted about. You just won't know. Like your idea of science fiction could be real. Who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. what we think about science fiction or how we tell stories, uh, what's real, what's not real, what's fantasy, you know, we're kind of all in this like loop of I mean we're we're in this loop of like our own our own version of it right so our mm. our own fantasy of it I have it almost tattooed on me the way it is like yeah, yeah. you know so it's this whole arm is sci- science fiction Joe's arm tattoo you know, I'm Joe's tattoos um, broadly but that is stunning and it's just it's like the way I view how sci, like sci-fi is like it's to me, and sci-fi can be 
uh, Frankenstein. It could be every we, everything we talked about. But to me, sci-fi is out of this world. It's mm. out of this fucking world that we just don't know. And Frankenstein is like that, for sure. Mm. Me, I guess, or whatever. But it's it's other planets. It's it's, it's yeah. like just things that are unexplainable that are so mysterious and like you get that <laughs> fucking noise you know yeah you decide like, yeah it's oddly shaped yeah all right so there's i have a question uh-huh. i'm gonna make i'm gonna make a statement and then there's a question okay there's two kinds of science fiction broadly i can't wait to hear this it's totally standard, and it's not going to piss you off. We'll see about that. Well, it's probably going to piss you off. But, all right. So, folks who study science, the history of science fiction yes, point to two points. There is the Jules Verne side of prediction... The science fiction that says, here's what we think is going to happen, and I'm going to show you the thing, and it's going to happen not far from now. And then there is the H.G. Wells side, which is the more narrative thinking in depth. What does it all mean? Who are we going to be? What's oh, my God. Mean, Basil. Yes. Morlocks and Eloy and et cetera. What does science fiction mean to really? all of us in the room? Because one of the amazing things about science fiction, to me, is that things that we struggle with as a culture are sometimes worked out or struggled with in science fiction before it hits the mainstream, right? Questions of gender, questions of race, questions of wealth, questions of what role technology plays. Well, I guess, all this, like, well, I guess sci-fi, like, struggles with this decades sometimes before we're actually confronted with it. Well, it's kind of what people turn science fiction into reality. Like, they kind of switch it. Like, they're going to say black people are now this other planet. And they're going to say Asian people are this other planet so it kind of takes mm. away from our own planet just in general not takes away from it but it it, it it tells a story of differences that we experience here mm. our, on our own planet to yep. make it sci-fi being like you know the world of browns it's like we, we started one thing right we've started yeah. this you know this other and then we've we've gone to but i mean sci-fi could be anything how do you how do you classify like what do you what if you were to sum up science fiction what would it be you got to sum it up what is science fiction in an elevator pitch in an elevator pitch yeah i would say that science fiction is always whether it's the categories you you put together, yep. which you're right, I would not agree with. I know. My but, categories are full of shit. But science fiction, regardless of category, is always about us. 
and always about the world in which it's written, about hopes, fears, dreams, desires. All of that is rolled up into science fiction. So it's basically all just boiled off of humanity. It's about who we are and what we think. But, but one of the things that but science doesn't fiction the does, science matter? Not That's necessarily. The part. It can, oh. and it should it in should, some cases. In science fiction. But it does not necessarily matter. And I'll, here's, I'll, I'll say why. So one of the things that I think characterizes science fiction, or is really important in science fiction, is defamiliarization. What does that mean? So what that means is taking what is obvious and common and familiar to you and making it unfamiliar okay. so that you can see okay. it in a new way. Yep. And the classic example, I think this might be Samuel Delaney's example, is the story that opens with the door dilated. Now, if I say the door dilated, in a moment you're going to know what, you're going to be able to picture what that means because you know what it means when an eye dilates. And so yep. you have a door that's not opening by swinging or sliding. It's dilating. It's opening like it, like the uh, pupil super, of an eye. Super cool. Slowly but surely. And, super you know, cool. Don't call me Shirley. But yeah. yeah. And so once we get into a space where we start to question how the world is put together, we can also start to question how our world is put together. And this is where you can have things where they're imagining science and scientific possibilities that don't yet exist and presenting a new world that we might live in kind of literally scientifically mm -hmm. but they are also and may also engage with new worlds we might live in socially biologically individually different ways to think about who and what we are and okay what that has over your standard realistic fiction is realistic fiction can make you question and think about philosophy and approach that. But it's scientific, part of that philosophy yes. for sure. Yeah. But scientific science fiction has it baked in. When you start a science fiction story, you don't know what that world is going to be like. And so you begin thinking about the world open to questions. If you, are introduced to a character and you know, at some point they say they walked through they walked through the door let's see they walk through a door shaped for them three meters high and and so suddenly you're picturing this character that's a very tall giant okay. kind of character yep. Yep. Um, and a very simple version of this I don't mean the story is simple it's another one of my favorites is the opening of Brave New World the opening of Brave New World introduces uh, what they call a squat building of only, goodness, was it only 13 or only 30? Or... In any case, they present a building which for the time would have been very tall, but describe it as squat. And immediately you know that in this world, there are much taller buildings, that this is a very small building comparatively. Mm. Okay. And so you start to build a different world. And when you build a different world, it makes you put this own world in contrast. To the, the world of shining, shimmering splendor? Well, depends on the kind of world you build. And it helps us imagine ways that we can rebuild our own world, our own mind, our Which own Which is approaches. kind of everybody that exists, really. Yeah. Because everybody wants to live in their own little world. And the reasons why. Right? So... 
so if we come back to our varying science fiction fantasies and predictions and etc a lot of them have presented us with visions of here's how you can live in your own world and i have always found those novels and stories problematic usually For the ones where where it becomes your own world entirely are sad stories those are very sad I agree. So, so I guess here's my question. As we look at the world that we are in now, that some, lots of which looks like some science fiction bullshit from the last few years, like we live in a science fiction world. And we're going to bracket, like, the far future stuff, the faster than light, etc. Like, all the beautiful stuff that we really want to have happen. The aspects of Star Trek that let us go out into the universe, and etc. And we take the aspects of science fiction that force us to confront the hard things. Is there optimism to be had? Hmm. That's a good question. Um... There's actually an entire little science fiction sub-movement right now. I think, I think they're calling it Sunshine Punk. This is Well, anything um, with punk is awesome. Well, it's, you know, it's building off of cyberpunk. Yeah. But they're calling it Sunshine Punk. And they're trying to write, if not utopias, but plausible better futures. Because we've been stuck in a dystopic moment in science fiction for the most part for about maybe 75, 80 years. Well, yeah, because we are stuck in the world in which we live in, and it's hard. Well, here's the question. Are we we progressing or are we staying the same? Ah, that's that's a really good question. All right, so. See, this is the question that you mentioned in terms of. Do we just have more opinions about. The same subject? Well, it, I think it, it goes back to one of the questions that is raised by Star Trek, and even though it's not necessarily technically science fiction in some ways, Star Wars, in the sense that Star Trek proposes... Star Wars isn't science fiction. It's it's space opera. But it has space science. opera! Space pants. So... <laughs> <laughs> Star Sorry. Trek proposes a model by which humans... Whether or not we're perfectible, we do have a teleological move toward... Yeah, more to more and better to better. More to more and better to better. A greater perfectibility. We can become better. Yeah. Yeah. Many other texts... Star Trek is super optimistic. We will be better people. That humans can become better. Yep. Yes. A lot of stories are based on the philosophy or the belief that Humans suck ass. Well, so that's the question. We don't become, we don't change. Well, so yeah. that, that's the question. Our technology, our getting... tools, our things change, but we right. don't change. Do we change? That's the that's the ultimate question. Are we changing with the technology with it? Are we becoming better people or are we becoming worse people? I think we're becoming worse people. I think we, I, I think we just are plateauing. I think everything mm-hmm. is just the same. I think everything is... Only the names have changed? Yeah. Agreed. 
Yeah, it's yeah. A fucking <laughs> dumb ass Bon Jovi. Per- perfect Bon Jovi reference. <laughs> Only the names will change. You know, like really, like what are we? I mean, what is humanity even trying to achieve? Like. I guess in a hundred years, fifty years, are we gonna be traveling to Mars or whatever? Like, mm. I love humanity's persistence of achieving something, but achieving something always is not necessarily. I don't know. It's, I mean, to what end? Yeah. To what end? I mean, there's no end. I guess right. There's just. Always trying. What's the goal? There's no goal. The, yeah. the, the goal is to just not overuse resources and to be sustainable. Once we're sustainable, to keep going into a, 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 a version of maybe that someone thinks is perfect and then to obtain that, Right? So we're, we're, we're going from right now we've perfected things, but now what, what is, what can we go to that is perfect? Like, or the, what, what do we classify as perfect? Or, I mean, even do we, how would you even get to that? Is science, science perfect or sci-fi perfect? Or, you know, we, what I love about sci-fi is it's, uh, futuristic looking. Yeah, it's seeing something that's plausible that could be attainable, but maybe we're not there yet. And that's what I kind of like about when I go back to um, uh, fucking the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. There's a USB cord in 1950. Hmm. That we don't, there's like, it's shown. It's like, it's a, it's a cl- I'm like, what the fuck? Is that a use? Is that a, it's, it's the same thing we have right here that plugs into something. It's the same exact looking thing. I was like, that was done almost a hundred years ago. Ah, uh, not, uh, give it 50. Up. 50 years ago. A little bit more than 50. <laughs> it's over, it's over 50, a little less than 100. But, but it's what the Simpsons did it. It's fucking <laughs> that the Twilight Zone did it. Like, there is a cord there that we plug our phones into. Yep. Now. Fucking 60 years ago. And it blows my fucking mind that it was on video. Yeah. Right there. In front of your face, you look at it, you go, what the fuck? You just kind of like, and people just kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of like that, like, realization that only our generation can have because they didn't have video of it. They did, but they just kind of, I guess, progressed the, the situation. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm still sending you to the cornfield. Yes. You're and I'm Billy. still. I'm still not on racism or differences. Like, different things freak me out. Like, that's kind of what sci-fi is. Like, let's bring our 
differences together and not freak each other out and if this, this guy is, has a third eye. You know what? And something that science fiction has done and done incredibly well in different iterations for the past 70 years has said there is difference in the world and it's going to make you uncomfortable. But you know what? Suck it up, you son of a bitch. It's uh, one thing that might be interesting to read is actually a pair of stories. Both Ursula K. Le Guin's uh, The Ones Who Walk Away from Amelis. Yeah. And then N.K. Jameson's The Ones Who Stay and Fight, which is a response, and in some ways a response or a continuation of that story. Mm. And part of what's going on in The Ones Who Stay and Fight is trying to imagine a space where we all think of ourselves as no more and no less important than any other human or any other person with person and human being potentially different. If we expand to a world where we have you know, alien persons, we could have animal, you know, non-human right, persons, right. Mm-hmm. robot-y type persons. Um, and I think of connecting this back to one of my favorite Aldous Huxley quotes, really quite close to the end of his life because Huxley tried a lot of things some of them really bad ideas some of them better ideas but he tried a lot of things and he said in I think the final interview with him that it was a little embarrassing to have been concerned about the question of human happiness his entire life and to have come up with nothing better than try to be a little kinder and I have both comfort and despair and try to be a little kinder. I think it may be the best thing we have, but I don't know that we're always using it. Don't mistake my kindness for weakness. But be, yeah. ki- be kind. Rewind. <laughs> and and the circle and is unbroken. Be kind. Rewind. And there is I, there is still like one blockbuster out there. There's in Alaska, I believe. No, that one is closed. Oh. But there's like one more. There's like one blockbuster with tapes still out there. Is that a movie but, waiting to be made? But the last be kind, rewind. Here, like, like, if there's like one truth out there that I have learned, it is there is almost never, occasionally there is, but there is almost never not a reason to be civil. The last blockbuster in existence yes. is in Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon. So we're right next to it. Still a blockbuster. Still go to blockbuster. Did, is that where they sent the jockstrap? No, they sent the jockstrap to Australia, and then they yeah, that no, Australia. No. Sorry, they sent that one to Alaska. Alaska. Then it closed. The Australia blockbuster also closed. But now only Where did the jockstrap go? You'll have to ask John Oliver that. I will ask John Oliver where they sent um, Russell Crowe's Russell Crowe's jockstrap uh, from the shitty box. Fighting around the world. Fighting around the world. <laughs> anyway. Alright. Well, nevertheless, the point is that this has been an awesome evening with Two of my very favorite people, and a third of my favorite people, who is Laura, who is out there, and a fourth of my favorite people, who is Gordo, 
who has not joined us for like the last like hour because Gordon Little Two Shoes has found his own I'm staying in this spot. And that's what he does. Sometimes it's in the bathroom, sometimes by my bed, sometimes behind the fridge. Depending on where the where it goes, he loves to just lay and be. It's true. No matter where he goes, right. there he are. So, in conclusion, yeah. uh, do we have anything that we want to throw out into the world? My friends who are scholars of many things, really. It's not just one thing. I mean, I can't right. classify you guys as. So I mean, uh, I'm we, gonna, you I'm, guys are, are are trivia, but not trivial. but not <laughs> trivial. We are super trivial. But not do not only do they all host the trivia at the Rosen Crown. We but do. They are very well uh, educated in their fields at what they do. Yeah, we did lots of schools and stuff. But here's exactly. what I'm going to pitch. I will pitch a science fiction thing. Okay. In the Star Trek universe, in the Vulcan space, this is so geeky, my friends. There is a okay. concept that is called infinite diversity in infinite con- uh, infinite diversity in infinite combinations. It is the essence of the Vulcan ideology, uh-huh. and there's something super special in that. That yes. there is value, infinite diversity in infinite combinations. That our diversity makes us stronger. That is the IDIC well, I think ideology. I think that's a very good point, just in general, as humans, is that diversity makes us stronger because the things we know and the things that we try and we're always trying to understand as well because even as people we just don't know uh feelings oppose somebody else's feelings and what they feel and we're trying to understand that and that's what a human being does yep is that we try to understand what people don't understand and support that, right? We're supporting what we don't even know. And we are better when we try to understand what the people around us. We're good. Yeah, we're good when we support, um, regardless of sex, creed, color. It doesn't matter. Word. Like, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand where you're coming from. And we do. I think there's... Jerry Springer's last thought. No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And we fail all the time. We do. And that's okay. Because, you know what? You know nothing, Jon Snow. You know nothing. Fail again. You know nothing. But my shirt says, I drink and I know things. And that is not untrue, my friend. You know some things. So cheers. Cheers. To my friends who come on the podcast. And... They're very smart people, and way smarter than me, who host this damn Joe lies. I'm not. I'm not lying. Don't don't do. Joe's super smart. No, 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 no. For a moment, I thought you were trying to do a say anything reference. I almost thought he was. Yeah, Joe lies when he cries. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, 
a <laughs> driver from yesteryear. You've gotten that thing right, but not. Like, it's oh, supposed I, to be a I, box I, I, I know. I'm trying to remember from the same thing. Like, <laughs> no, no, he, he's got, like, the Chinese or Japanese. The John Cusack and Ricky. Who, is it Ricky? Who, who learned everything from Wide World of Sports. Is, is Say Anything Ricky with Ricky? Ricky! No, the same. King Lodge. It's the same. It's John Cusack. I think, I think the say Isn't the saying Shit. Which is the one. That is the two dollars. Yes, I want my two dollars. Well, my two dollars. That's say anything. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's. I say think anything. that's say anything. I'm pretty sure. Which is <laughs> yes. Same reference of what? Well, yeah. Well. All right. Anything, you guys? You guys want to leave anything scientific out into the world to into the universe? Yeah. The you want to say answer to life, the universe, and everything. Is 42, and the reason that it's 42... Is we forgot the question. Is that we forgot the question. Thank you, Melissa. But is that the reason you want to leave out into the universe? Do you, you want to leave out something leave out better? Out universe? Hey, you got nothing? Well, no, I'm, I'm stuck back with, you know, try again, try better. Try better. I like Try that. again, try better. I always like, yeah, I always like try better. It's awesome. If you can do something, do it better. If you can't. Do you know what? I think this is the message from tonight's episode. Try again. Try better. Think harder. Nothing. Uh, question everything. Always. Always. I think. Yep. Um, and Melissa's youth bringing is kind of like that. Question everything. Uh, bring things to the table that people think you didn't. You shouldn't bring to the table. If you're a little kid and you already know better, that your parents have already taught you that you are achieving very well, that you are learning progressively and you're faster in your acceleration of an education, do it. Because that's what we're we're already excelling. We're excelling too fast, I think. And And there's almost never a reason... To not be civil. Be fun. Be ha- yeah. Be be just. Be kind. Like I said, it's not. We don't have be to. Be kind. Rewind. Rewind. We just don't have to. We don't have to. In that case, literally, not figuratively. Yeah, we don't have. We don't have to be dicks to people. Like it's. <laughs> we don't. Every. I mean, a yeah, you Please can if you want to. But everybody has their own you, shit. The going through. But you don't have to. Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun, guys. Cheers. Cheers. And I thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. And you guys were great. And I hope to have you back soon so we can talk so much more. Because we have very tackled the surface. This one, this, this one is an hour and a half. <laughs> to where we didn't talk about shit. We like it. We <laughs> I feel we haven't talked about escalated. anything. We've talked about so much and nothing at the same time. So fuck you and thank you and have a good fucking night. Good night. See ya. All right. And that is it for round two. want to thank Melissa and Gabe for coming and hanging out. It was super fun. Super smart people. Fun conversation. Um, yeah, I had a blast. Uh, we got drunk. It was nice. Uh, I want to say go subscribe. If you like what you hear or you don't like what you hear, go subscribe to fucking... 
the iTunes or <clears throat> whatever the fuck I'm on, something like that, uh, Apple Podcast or whatever, SoundCloud or however you get podcasts, go rate and review, um, give me a star rating, leave comments, I always like comments, I want to know if you like it, you don't like it, if you're having fun listening to it, if it's a chill podcast, if it's not, then tell me to fuck off, um, Anyway, I won't have a podcast for the next three weeks due to the wedding, but uh, after that, I'll try to have something good for you guys and something fun. All right? So enjoy your vacation and your nice intro to July. Hopefully, you guys are on vacation. You're at the beach. You're fucking living it up in the pool with some margaritas or fucking, you know, whatever. So have fun, and I will talk to you guys in a few weeks. And then I'll be a married man. Weird. All right. Late.